I believe it. Oh, hallelujah already then, glory to God. Amen. Some people want the mantle of Elijah. Others, Moses. I want the mantle of Ace Ventura. <laughs> like a glove. <laughs> Ooh, glory. Well, it's a beautiful day in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. We pray that you be Jesus's the happy one, not the serious, angry one of the counterfeit of the fallen angels, but First Timothy 1.11 says the gospel is the glad message of the glory of the happy God. First Timothy 1.11, the gospel is the glad message of the glory of the happy God. Now I've been feeling like it's important to do slideshows. So we're gonna have a scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. It's right here. In this world, we are Jesus. First John 4, 17. And if you would just declare that out loud from the Bible, in this world, we are Jesus. Amen, that's wild. You know, because a lot of believers don't think they're Jesus in this world. They think they're a sinner. They might get some revelation about the sinful nature and think they're a reptile snake in the garden. And then they begin to act like it by biting the saints, accusing the brethren, cynical, gossip, slanderers. They boast in their shame. We'll get into that. That's uh, Philippians 3. That's where we're going to be in the Bible tonight if you want to look in there. I think in the Passion Translation. Good to see you guys are crazy as ever. Wild and crazy drinkers in the glory. Thank you, Father, for a people growing as Jesus. Not Jesus in the soul. This is where people get it confused because they know they're not Jesus in their soul. That's why they deny divinity in that realm and they're right to do so because that's blasphemy. But you have Christ in you, the hope of realizing his glory, Colossians 1.27, which is Jesus in your spirit. In your spirit, you are Jesus in this world. In your soul, you're not. Your soul is being sanctified from all sin, pride. Pride's not a one-time deliverance. Pride is a dying daily, like layers of an onion. No one can say, oh, I've overcome pride. You're a liar. You're demon-possessed. Pride is the, the very removal of humanity off of Christ's divinity, which is growing in grace. Pride is what you'll wrestle out in your salvation with fear and trembling all the days of your life while you have a human body. 
And it does get it does get easier. Why is that hard to say? It does get easier. It does get easier. Is there wine or something in here? <laughs> it does get easier. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. We praise you, Holy Ghost. Get our eyes off everything else. Get your brain out of everything else. Put your brain in the spirit. Put your brain in the river. You got to be renewed in your brain, the Bible says. In order to grow in the glory, you have to renew your mind. Mind renewal is the conquering of human pride, which is all in knowledge, the Bible says. Knowledge is pride. Pride, knowledge puffs up, but the spirit builds up, it is written. Problem is, we get into some knowledge, even if it's knowledge from God, for all knowledge is from God. God is the spirit of knowledge. Some of it's not used from God, some of it's used for soul. That's the tree of knowledge that Adam and Eve ate from and died. So it's not about just knowledge. It's about the river and putting gemstones that are revelations into your spirit and flowing in the spirit of the knowledge. Knowledge without springs of water in it is dead, a dead letter that kills. So a lot of people, you know, they get into conspiracy. <laughs> they begin to worry about the enemy. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's never worried about the enemy? The Holy Spirit does not worry. The Holy Spirit cannot fear. It's not possible. The Holy Spirit can't sin. He's God. What makes the Spirit God is that He can't sin. He can't tell a lie. The Bible says only flesh can lie, but the Spirit of Truth cannot exaggerate, cannot lie, and cannot sin. And you have that Spirit with you today. That Spirit is going to transform you from carnal to righteousness. And you're going to discover your spirit's ability to be just like the Holy Ghost. The Bible says all the training in this earth is by the Holy Ghost. So the training from the fivefold is just their measure of grace in releasing their relationship with the Holy Ghost into you. Holy Spirit's all we got, guys. You don't have anything else going in your life except the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost created everything. The Holy Ghost is God. We need the Holy Ghost more than ever before. Having the Holy Ghost isn't just the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not having the Holy Ghost. It's not, sorry. The gifts are not evidence of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said they weren't. He said the fruit of the Spirit was evidence of the Holy Ghost. You can have the gifts without the giver. You can have the gifts without the Holy Spirit and still be operating in soul, still be operating in pride, still be building your own ministry, still be doing Christian activity, still be completely deceived, still be worldly. A worldly Christianity that is operating in gifts instead of the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit have to have dominion over the gifts. And some people have that. 
So the gifts are just totally glorious. We're all about all the gifts of the Spirit. Everything from God is awesome. The issue is divine order, the order of righteousness, the order of Jerusalem, the order of Melchizedek. The priesthood. There's a priesthood order that first comes first. Keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus on the main line. <laughs> Tell him what you want. We want more fruitfulness of our spirit. We need our minds renewed. We need to learn how to practice the presence of God and not be distracted by outward things. Looking outwardly and discouraging our souls by looking into the realm of the dead. That's what the older prodigal son did. That's what our pride is. That's what pride of life is. It is also possessions. It's pride in your own ability. It's pride in your own gifts. It's pride in your own knowledge. It's pride in your calling and destiny. All of it has to be crucified with Christ. Everything has to fall to the ground and die in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Evidence of someone carrying a cross and serving the Father. Fruitfulness. Not giftedness. Not even good speaking. Sometimes good preaching can just be emotionalism. We need a drunken glory. I tell you what, the ones that have been loyal to steward the wine of intimacy, the Song of Solomon wine, I tell you, there's nothing better. It is the Holy Grail. The drunken glory that's steward for the pleasure of the Father, not even the pleasure of the soul. Not immature drunken glory, a maturing in the house of wine. It's the house of Christ's bloodline. It's scriptural, Song of Solomon talks about being transported into the house of wine suddenly and serving the wine giver. What's the wine giver? The river from the throne of the Lamb. It's a river of wine. Is it a river of living water? Yeah. What is the living water for? Producing wine. Producing divine love in our lives, in our spirits, in our souls. And we really need it right up here, in our minds. Our minds must be open to understanding agape love. You got to serve the Lord with every part of you because God created every part of you. You're going to serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord is God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does it mean to love Him that much? It means to manifest the house of wine where He suddenly transported you when you experienced His love for you. Now His love is beaming like a river out of you. You've learned how to drink. You've learned how to steward the cup of the new covenant. Isn't it cool that the new covenant is a holy grail? It's invisible, but it's omnipotent. And when the invisible part of you, your spirit, and the eyes of your spirit are illuminated to seeing the cup, seeing the fruit of the spirit is seeing the cup of the new covenant. You can see the blood of Jesus. You can see the glory of God. The blood is the glory. Because he's transfigured. <clears throat> you get into the glory, you get into the cup of the new covenant, you get into the blood. It ain't red blood. It's white blood. It's transfigured blood. Jesus doesn't have 
so-called Jewish blood anymore. The Jewish bloodlines are transfigured for all nations now. That's what the new covenant is. He fulfilled the Jewish race. That's why Jews are only those circumcised of heart now. Romans 2, it is written. That's what Paul says in the Bible. Which means now to be a part of the royal bloodline of the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, in a new covenant Jewishness, a new covenant Israel, Revelations Israel, Galatians 6 is Israel, Romans 11, Israel, the olive tree, it is all about getting into the glory of the cup of his blood. Drink it, all of you. Drink it, it is written. Drink again, drink again, drink again. What's going to conquer your souls, yourselves, and all the deception in your blood will be drinking the transfigured Messiah's blood that the Holy Spirit materializes for those who love him and do his will. People that don't love the Holy Ghost just love themselves. They love all kinds of other stuff. They love idols. They love doctrines. They love religion. There's a lot of Christians, so-called Christians, or goats that love biting the saints. They think they have a, a ministry to hold other brothers and sisters accountable. <laughs> Like they're, they've been anointed to be the judges of their brothers and sisters. They got a big devil in them and planks the size of the White House, planks the size of the Redwood Forest coming out of their eyeballs, judging their own brothers and sisters. Oh, hallelujah. You got to get the Redwood Forest out of your eyes. And you need Solomon's Forest in Lebanon, Song of Solomon Forest, that, that emerald green new life. There's a forest in heaven that consumes the forests on earth. And I can see the Lord taking us into the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. It's all fun and games. And as Axl Rose says, you're gonna die. You're gonna die in the jungle. Amen. That's what the cross is for. It's a wonderful privilege to die in the forest. <laughs> it's a forest of crucified ones who hang on the trees, which is their whole flesh and soul. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh is to be hung on a tree. And you have that tree. The tree of life is where you hang the lust of your eyes and the lust of your flesh and the pride of what you possess in this world, which is mostly, the problem is mostly knowledge and then idols. What you can do, your ability, and then what you know. So all of it hangs on a tree. It's not just Jesus as the hangman. Airplay hangman. Guess the letter. T. Yeah. R. I. N. I. T. Y. Hangman! Crucified with the Trinity. You've guessed right. And if you build the hangman, then you lose. And a lot of losers, man. A loser is anyone who's not crucified with him, whose soul still lives apart from hanging on the tree with him. 
It's the very definition of losing your soul. Losing your soul is not dying with him. If you cling to your soul, which is what false Christianity teaches, that you just build up a better soul. Just give me knowledge for my soul. Give me Christian information for my soul. Give me scripture for my soul. So I can cling to my soul. You become a bigger and bigger antichrist. We need the preaching of the cross. We need the preaching of the hangman. We need the preaching of the forest of crucified ones. This is a forest of glory. It's the forest of Song of Solomon. There's a forest in Solomon. I've been in this realm often as an angel with God, and there's everything is glory greens. Different shades of greens, pines, all the different firs and the cedars, and all the most delicious fragrances of your crucifixion with Jesus Christ. This is a forest started by Jesus, the first one who is crucified. How many of y'all know he's not the only crucified one? No one can be my disciple unless they take up their cross. Isn't it interesting? He didn't say it was my cross. In the red letters, Jesus didn't say, you're not gonna take my cross, that's my own cross. This is my tree. You got your own tree. You got your own cross. You understand your destiny, your calling, we've said it before, but it needs to be said again. Your calling and destiny is your cross. And you're like, I know who that is. My children and, and my spouse. <laughs> yeah, it's always someone else when you're not crucified. It's always something, some other problem. Some people think their cross is their work. Some people think their cross is something in the world. No, your cross is your spirit crucifying your own soul. It would change your perspective on everything. The issue is most Christians haven't died that much on the cross God gave them. Which means we're, we're small disciples. We're immature disciples. <clears throat> your maturity as a disciple of Jesus Christ, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them with crosses, gives them the ability to annihilate their souls. All this antichrist demon possession you deal with amongst false brethren, goats everywhere, is just a lack of the cross. You see them defending their souls against the cross. What does Paul say about the bewitched? They have become, brethren, do not be unaware that many, Paul says the word many, have become the enemy of the cross. They're the enemy because they're all, all their Christian life now is in their own soul. You understand? That's what getting bewitched and serving the fallen angels after you're born again is. Now they're more loyal to the devil than they were before they believed in Jesus. Bible calls it twice dead and bewitched. And they're everywhere. The Bible, Paul says it's not rare. He says many, many who first believe become the enemies of the cross. And all of you at one time were enemies of the cross as well, and you realize you're fighting God. Saul of Tarsus had to realize he was kicking against the pricks. He was fighting the one true God. He didn't know. When you're bewitched and deceived by the power of the air, you don't even know you're fighting Christ. You think you're fighting the devil. The devil deceives you to fight what is God 
Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. What does that mean? Woe to the bewitched. Woe to those who are soulish, who have forgotten the annihilation of their own carnal members. Their own will, their own emotions, their own feelings, their own greed and selfishness. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. You can spot them a mile away. The ones that are not serving their own cross are all about stealing from others because they've denied the ability to produce fruit themselves. To become like the demons is to live in your soul where there's no fruit except what you take by attacking others. That's why they attack. Because they have forfeited their spirit's ability to bear fruit. And they need fruit. They know it's all about the fruit. But they can't bear fruit because they're soulish and they've denied him in their spirit. They've denied the cross, the ability for their own spirit to bear fruit. And if you're fruit bearing, all you do is grow in unconditional love towards others. You won't say negative things towards others. You won't even say negative things towards the human enemies. You might say negative things towards the sin, but you can separate sin from the soul like a surgeon, sword of the spirit, the word of God, the priests that separate what belongs to God and the offerings and what's thrown outside the camp as refuse in the sacrifice. Parts of the sacrifice were eaten by the priests. Parts of the sacrifice went up in smoke into the nostrils of God. True. You know what the Bible says the part of the sacrifice that goes into the nostrils of God is? In the Philippians, it says your financial offerings. Isn't that wild? That'll bring out demon possession. <laughs> Paul says it, not me, man. We're going to get into Philippians there. Yeah, Paul says that the fragrant offering that God receives into his nostrils in the New Covenant, we'll get into it, might read it, Philippians 3 and 4, is the financial offerings. Peter said the same thing, that the offerings of the Gentiles have risen up to God as a fragrance in his nostrils. Do you understand that's what the Bible teaches as the fragrant offering of the new covenant is financial offerings? Just check to see if you're demon possessed right now. That's what the Bible says. If that makes you cringe right now, you got a devil in you. It's true. Get it out. Get it out. (laughs) All right. It's in the word, buddy. You got issues, man. You got issues not with me, not with God's messengers, with the Word. We're here to represent the living Word and the Spirit of the Word, the Spirit of Jesus, accurately for His pleasure, for His kingdom, and for His glory. I don't care what it looks like. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Him in holiness. We're going to grow in holiness. We're going to grow in our crosses which is the ability to communicate the spirit word. You can't communicate anything from God without a cross. The cross that he's given you is the portal of the bandwidth of the heights and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of God that's in Christ Jesus to speak the word of God from the river. So you're in the living water, you're baptized in the living water, you're drinking the living water, Gideon's 300, everyone who's called to any level of leadership in the kingdom of heaven has to drink the living water. 
The spirit and the bride say, come and drink. It is written. Be baptized in the drink. The cup of the new covenant, you gotta drink it. So, in order to be a leader, you must be a drinker. Every other leader is satanic. In huge measurements, way worse than you could ever imagine, serving devils, deceiving people, in bewitchment. That's why Christianity is so carnal and soulish. It's because they're serving fallen angels. Because they're not drinkers. They're thinkers. They serve the carnal mind. Intellectual ascension, which is soulish witchcraft. To ascend by Christian intellectualism, Christian reasoning, sense reason, reasoning, ascension is to ascend illegally like a thief and a robber outside the sheep gate to the Father. And to the Father, Jesus Christ said was going up into the heavens was the rising of your soul on mountains. And he, he taught about mountains. He went up into the mountains. He took his disciples up into the mountains. And how many of y'all know Jesus as a, a man, Jesus of Nazareth, as a man was anointed by the Holy Spirit with apostolic grace. The main manifestations of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is an external anointing of grace. And when he said it's profitable that he goes to the Father, it's because now you're going to have an internal manifestation of grace. They didn't have that. Jesus, you could say, was almost anointed like an Old Testament person. And he fulfilled the law on the cross to make us New Testament people, which means the apostolic and the prophetic anointing, the internal grace, is now inside man and woman's spirit. It's true. Jesus had it in the spirit, but he had it upon him. He limited himself to a man in an Old Testament situation. It's true. He came and he was circumcised. He did all the Old Testament stuff. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You have to obey the spirit in you now in the New Testament stuff. Jesus fulfilled the law. The fulfillment of the law now is the internal river of grace. It's not an external anointing. Although that, there will be some of that along the way. Because angels will pour vials on you and that's an external anointing. But what you develop in your own spirit is what you get to keep for eternity. If it's just poured on your head and you're used outwardly, it's a fading glory. God often does that because of our ignorance to help his people who pour, he'll send angels to pour stuff on us for an external anointing. That's why all the revivals during the church age ended. Every single one ended because of external angelic anointings and those angels went back into heaven. The revival's over. It happened hundreds of times. For never-ending revival has to be developed in your spirit, in God-inside-mindedness. This is what Bob Jones prophesied, the revival that never ends, because it's going to be based on the maturity of the human spirit, not on an external anointing on the human soul. The difference is night and day. The difference is Old Testament, New Testament. You can't even overemphasize the difference and the contrast between the external of God and the internal of God. Because the internal of God is in this world. We are Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. You rise up and yield the soul and the brain to Christ in you. You can share in that level of power and authority. Kingship, lordship of Jesus. And if you believe he's powerful, he can share that measure of power with you. He wants to, but he's only going to do it if you sacrifice your soul. He won't do it 
and just upon your soul. He's not coming like Old Testament kings. Old Testament kings had an external mantle. Most of them totally screwed it up, used it for selfishness, and there was mixture and sin in all Old Testament kings. That's not tolerated in the New Testament at all! Zero! In the New Testament, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the perfection of the Virgin King, White Dove, Jesus is the standard in the human spirit. The born-again spirit has the standard of the New Covenant kingship in it. These are spiritual kings, not my opinion, what the Bible says. Revelation chapter 1, to the kings and priests of the earth. Let's just look at it one more time. In this world we are Jesus. 1 John 4, 17. Amen. In this world, not the soul part of you, that's where you'll get into mental illness. To apply divinity to the soul is blasphemy. That's where they get into confusion. That's what the occult does. The occult and the sorcery, even Christian sorcery, which is a big deal. Christian sorcery is far more common than you can ever imagine. Christian sorcery is applying divinity to the soul. And you can use the Bible to back it up. But God won't back it up. Satan will. God's not even involved in that. God wants to kill that part of you. He wants to crucify. That's why he gave you a cross. If you didn't have a soul, you wouldn't need a cross. Because your spirit's perfect when you're born again. The fact that you have a soul and you have a mind that needs to be renewed is why he gave you a cross. To deal with all that junk in your life. And as soon as you stop blaming others, stop looking at others, and stop even looking at yourself. It's not healthy to look and judge yourself because you'll you'll always be wrong. You'll be wrong. The soul is always wrong. I said to my astonishment, the soul is always wrong, which means all men are liars. What is men? Souls. The soul dimension is always wrong. Always wrong, the Bible teaches. That's the realm of all lies. That's the realm of all deception, all religion, unrighteous judgment, accusation. All that realm is the imprisonment of the fallen angels. The soul realm is the prison of all unclean spirits. The Bible says it. She, prophetics, she, woman, represents soul, has become the house of all unclean and detestable spirits. Every single demon is bound inside the unsacrificed soul. So who gets the warfare from the enemy? Those who use their soul as a servant for the cross. To serve the Lord, you use your soul as an encapsulation of the world's sin and demons. As a priest, right? A priest brings sacrifice six days a week. And there's no rest in in God. God never rests, the Bible says. God never sleeps. So there's seven days of him constantly working by his spirit. Not by the soul, not by flesh, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, in the soul, killing all that's in the soul. This is how you take the high place. Celestial bodies will be shaken, or soulish bodies 
the high places of human souls that encapsulate the fall of the angels, for the angels are limited to working through men and women's souls because they're invisible spirits. You don't just go see fallen angels everywhere because you have fleshly eyes. They're spirits that are invisible in the spirit world that are just as real, if not more real, than the natural world. But you need to understand the connection and understand the curse of the fall. God the Father said to Satan and the, and the angels in the garden, you will crawl on your bellies and eat dust all your days. Dust will be the serpents or the fallen angels, 200 million, I heard their number, that will be their food. What is dust? Lies or the senses tapped into the world of natural elements. That's the prison of all the devils. <clears throat> so if you are looking at that realm, you're looking at the realm of the devils. That's why you're messed up and discouraged all the time, because you're looking into hell like a fool. We're foolish. What are you doing looking into hell? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Where's Jesus? At the right hand of God glorified. If you're looking at Jesus, you're not going to be distracted. But you're sinning with your eyes still. You're not disciplined in your eyes. <clears throat> you think that there's some kind of transformation that comes with your eyes on the outside. That's a demonic transformation. That's how you grow in death. If your eyes are on the realm of the dead, whatever your eyes are hooked into multiplies. That's a principle for all eyes. If your eyes are hooked on the outside, even with good intentions, you'll grow in death. If your eyes are hooked on judging others, you'll grow in Satan. There'll be a demonic metamorphosis for all who practice sin and death. They change. They don't get better, they only get worse. The Bible says it will go from bad to worse for sinners. And the way of the transgressor is hard. Scripture teaches demonic metamorphosis. People are scared of this stuff, and you should be, because this is how sin produces death, through demonic metamorphosis of the senses, the mind, the reasoning, the eyes, the ears, all of it tuned in to the wrong dimension. The Bible says they tuned into the wrong dimension. Their eyes looked upon that tree, and the appearance of it was good, and it was total foolishness. They went insane. They lost their minds. They got into madness which means the senses directed into the wrong dimension is what causes all the problems in your souls. The answer is repentance, which is turning your senses into Christ. And that's what the Word of God does. When you hear the Word, it allows your senses to be tuned, transformed, focused, zoomed in on the Word, on the glory, on the river, on the kingdom. Philippians 4.8. We'll read it in a minute. <laughs> Let me just sit up here. <laughs> oh, shut up. It's already really heavy. Oh, oh yeah. Amen. Oh, oh Lord Jesus, help me sit up straight. <laughs> Yeah, when you, you know, when you preach too, you're you're feasting. This so I, I get so whacked. I get so heavy by preaching the strong meat. I eat the meat that I'm preaching. So I get so filled when I'm ministering that it's just a total debilitation 
of my motor functions and my senses and my reasoning every day at Joel's Bar. Every day, 15 years. I'd, you preach yourself so whacked by feasting on the Word of the Spirit. That's how you want to minister. Five smooth stones from the river. You, you just constantly... It's what it means to encourage yourself always in the Lord. If it's in the soul realm, it's just all fake. It doesn't do anything. But if it's in the spirit, if it's in the new creature, if it's in Christ, and you understand, you have understanding, it's a feast. Keeping the feast is keeping your spirit fed on all these divine things. Talking about them, preaching them, teaching them, fellowshipping them. Let him fly around the room and whack you. Let him, let him hit you in the head with an iron scepter. Let him smack you in the eyeball a couple times. Yeah, poke, poke an eye out, Lord. Poke the word of God is gonna poke your eye out. They say they want a prophetic word. If you get a prophetic word for me, brother, can you let me know? Yeah, the word of God's gonna. Poke your eyeball And you need it. Because you're looking in the wrong dimension. You're looking into the realm of the dead. And if you do that, you're just practicing the fall. The senses have to be discipled to not look into the natural realm. Otherwise, you can only get bad soulish fruit out of people. And there's always a drama. It's always There's no actual help or working for the king in the mess of the soul because the soul is plugged in to the dimension of the dead you can't, you can't you're just that's what infants in christ are they just only make constant messes so in order to grow in christ to not be a total wreck all the time and always so dramatic and messed up and screwed up bad fruit what was me from a man of unclean loops just just a freak show of constant so, what was about? I was listening to the soundtrack of Oh Brother Where Art Thou and it says I'm a man of constant sorrow <laughs> I said that person that's a believer who's got their whole soul plugged into the natural realm or a man of constant sorrow you see him every day we need to be a, a man of constant rejoicing be a woman of constant rejoicing you are confessing your sin with your eyes, looking into the realm of the natural. That's why there's only constantly sorrow and bad fruit in your life. If you looked into the glory, Jesus Christ saves your eyes. Purchase eye salve so you can see, which means there's a transfer of seeing from natural to glory, which means you'll always be encouraged because your joy is now based on the dimension that's conquered the natural realm. And I don't listen to any negative report from the natural realm because I don't listen to demons and liars. I don't listen to men and women. You listen to men and women, you listen to demons and liars. We listen to the river through sacrificed men and women. And if the cross isn't big, they don't even have the ability to tell the truth, y'all. They can't tell the truth. Sometimes your anointing through sanctification rain down on a region. You're going you're gonna to see your seed and your spirit come as an external mantle on the region that you're reigning upon. But that doesn't mean they're doing anything right. It just means your righteousness is really big. Go and disciple nations, which means take the ability of your spiritual growth and just burn it through all of them sovereignty. Sovereignly. You understand that? 
You think it's dependent on just people completely transforming into suns? You'd never get anywhere if that were the case. Almost no one is willing to sacrifice at this level in the whole world. And they never will. They never will. You're wasting your time trying to sanctify people that don't want to be. Stop it. Sanctify yourself. If you're listening today, you're called to be one of those great ones that goes all the way in the cross and just bears the total fruitfulness over states. Raise the standard of your sanctification and pour out, the Bible says, your lifeblood. I pour out my lifeblood as an offering, a libation and drink offering on the sacrifice for others. It's called apostolic ministry. Every single one of you are called into the apostolic. That's what the 144,000 are. The 144,000 that are seated in the heavenlies as thrones, the rulers of the new earth, are ones that are just fully sanctified, fully sacrificed of soul. All you gotta do is keep your eyes off of the natural dimension and off of yourself. That's it. Because if you're looking at Jesus, the Bible says he will author and perfect your faith. We don't even know what that is because we're looking at so much other stuff. When you're looking at him, the Lord of glory, you will get authored and you will get perfected. But how do you not? The Bible tells you how you don't get authored. The Bible tells you as you don't get perfected and to stay a mess all the time. It's because you're looking in the wrong place. Lord, sanctify your eye gates. The Bible says purchase eye salve so you can see. Which is looking at Jesus. You know, the anointing and the cross is the ability for the brain to be focused on the glory realm. That's such a high price to pay. They couldn't do that in the Old Testament. That's that's the miracle of Calvary. This is not a minor thing. It's the ability to be transformed and to be constantly transformed into the image of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3.18 is a constant metamorphosis looking into the glory of the Word in your spirit. That's a miracle. It's a continuous miracle for the Word to transform your brain. Don't take that lightly. That's your metamorphosis. That's the only way to come out of the curse of the fall. Transformation. You don't come out of the realm of the dead. You could have gifts and work in the realm of the dead. No good will it do you. Jesus said, what is the profit of a person to go with their whole body into, into hell? You're better off having your hands chopped off and your eyes gouged out of your head and going into heaven without body parts. You understand? He's saying that the soul realm is unimportant compared to the development of the spirit. We don't know that. Most of us haven't even discovered our spirit, so all we have is the soul realm. So we value that realm and we're trying to apply Christian things to the outer man. You're bewitched. Stop. Repent and just settle down, calm down, sit at the altar. This word will transport you to a dimension where the angels do the work. You have to yield to angelic ministry. Elijah learned how to cooperate with angels. Doesn't always start that way. Look at Elisha. The show my servant. All the angels were not alone. And the heavens opened up and they saw all the chariots and they saw all the horsemen, saw all the warring angels and angel armies everywhere. More are for you than against you. If you're looking in the correct dimension, if you've purchased ISAV and the price you pay is getting these eye sockets burned out of your skull. He will never judge by what he sees. Who's he? The anointed one. 
which means the anointing and the Holy Spirit is not using any judgment or any discernment by natural eyes. Zero. Zero. That's what's killing you is your use of your senses connected to religious spirits. That's what destroys believers, guys. He will never judge by what he sees. He won't even judge by what he hears. Jesus crucified his natural senses long before he was at the cross. Because that's the only way to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to not get the spirit senses, the white dove, to fly away from your shoulders. Him in whom the Spirit remains is the Messiah, John the Baptist said. Which means he will yield his natural man to the Spirit of God's ability. Can the Spirit become your senses? That's what metamorphosis is. The Holy Ghost becomes your thought life. The Holy Ghost becomes your eyes. You don't have eyes apart from the eye salve. What's eye salve? The oil of the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke. We love that verse, but how? Because the eye salve is the Spirit that has eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Your ability to see and hear is entirely dependent on the Holy Ghost. Any independence from the Holy Ghost is the application of religion. And then we get a yoke that we think's God, but it's actually a demon on our back. You're not good enough. People hear this and they say, I don't see enough. <laughs> whole point is you can't, man. Oh, now tell me how to see. I don't see. Would you pray for me? You know, the word of God is your prayer. Pray the Bible. You know, every single prophetic word at every Joel's bar is prayer for you and prophetic word for you. Don't be blind and dull. The living word is God's prayer for you. The prophetic word, the inspired preaching of the prophets is God's will for you and God's word for you. If you need additional stuff from the inspired preaching of the prophets, you're completely deceived trying to get help in the wrong dimension for demons into your soul out of a selfish spirit of Satan in you. You need a cross in you. You need understand your deliverance is applying the word to the crucifixion, crucifixion of your problems. Arise from the prostration which circumstances have kept you. Arise to a new state of being. Kingly dignity. Amplify classic. Isaiah. Oh, buddy. I hate when he puts the pressure on me. I want to blame someone else for my problems. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Hallelujah. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Hallelujah. Isaiah 60 verse 1 we're going to switch to the Amplified Classic in this prophetic flow tonight and just understand this word to get you out of your soul yourself, your feelings, your emotions your circumstances, your conditions arise from the dead the gospel is the preaching of the resurrection not in thought but in spiritual substance and elevation The gospel transports you. Suddenly I was transported into the house of wine. Why? Because I believed the word. When you hear the word, mix it with faith, and you will experience deliverance. Deliverance is a sudden transportation of your inner man into different realms. 
This is how you get saved by rising from the dead. This is how you stay saved. This is how you get the devil under your feet. I know the devil's under your spirit's feet because he can't kill you. But is he under your heart and mind and bone and marrow's feet? Most likely not. So we that's where the work is. That's where the ministry is. That's where the priesthood is. Putting spirit through soul, slaying soul, slaying heart, slaying blood, slaying brain, all the brain cells, all the bone and the marrow, all of it getting slain by Christ in the spirit. This is what transfers the river of salvation from spirit to the entire soul. You know, we get it in the spirit and it feels good, but we don't like how it feels in the soul. We think it feels bad. If you love him, it feels good. If you don't love him, it feels bad. And there's a judgment for all the parts of us that don't love Jesus. I've been in ministry 16, 17 years full time, and a lot of people love Jesus a whole lot less than their mouths confess. And you can always tell by the cross and the crucifixion of the heart and mind for the spirit getting built up. They love him in talk, but they don't love him through the crucifixion of the soul. It's false love. And everyone in their infancy deals with it. That we have this zeal for him that I really love Jesus, but it's a soulish energy. It's a religious love. And it all will burn up. It's foolishness. There's a ton of madness in the soul that gets just sparked with zeal after your spirit's regenerated. And that's what you just clean up for sometimes 14 plus 3 years in Arabia like Saul of Tarsus. If the, one of the greatest apostles of all time had 17 years, according to Galatians, to get all the strange fire and zeal and the garbage of the soul, the infirmity of the flesh, he calls it in Galatians 4, just burnt off his spirit to have a pure release of the morning star without the human mixture, which is normal sanctification of Jesus fully formed in you. I labor amongst you tirelessly until God is fully formed in you. But that's such a foreign concept to most Christians that we just stick to an external God because we don't know how he's formed in us because false Christianity has rejected sanctification. It's rejected metamorphosis. They're against it. They weep and gnash their teeth when the prophets teach about it in this generation. Most of the prophets in this generation don't even teach it. They don't even know about it. It's just all an external anointing. Yeah, and my people perish for what? A lack of revelation, a lack of knowledge. Transformation, understanding of metamorphosis seems to be some of the most important knowledge you'll ever have your whole life. How the soul can be as saved as the spirit. How many of y'all know that's the most valuable treasure? Amen. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Their soul never learned how to be as saved as their spirit. They live off, they live on in complacent satisfaction. That they're cool with just fire insurance, but they don't know how to transform their minds to live in the glory realm of the throne room with the 24 elders in that dimension with the four living creatures on the sea of glass totally transformed on the inside in the third heaven. A temple of the third heaven, my Bible says. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple of the crystal sea of all of His glory. Your body is a temple of the Shekinah glory. What else is in there? Get it out. That's what we're warring against now. Until you don't have any experience except third heaven in that body. New wineskins. 
If there's other stuff stealing your confidence, it's because you're demonized. And you have to war against that stuff, and some of that will only come out with prayer and fasting. I mean, you're gonna have to fast. There are, there are stuff you're gonna deal with in your soul that won't come out unless you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. We want to conquer a demon, but we can't even conquer a donut. <laughs> can't even conquer a donut. <laughs> Bogarts. You think that's not prophetic? <laughs> it is written. But, you know, the whole process of dealing with infancy is enjoyable. God's a great parent. Does he scourge children? Yes. Does he discipline children? Yes. I mean, some of it is severe. There's severe discipline. If you reject that, the Bible says you can't be his son and daughter. If you're wounded there because of having bad parents, it blocks you from being parented by God. You know, your natural parents are the biggest obstacles of supernatural parents in your spirit. For everyone. At age 18, I came against this wall in my spiritual growth after I'd been born again. I couldn't grow because of the natural parenting. There's a cap there. There's a soul tie. <clears throat> and unless it's broken with revelation, you can't even grow anymore because your parents are your cap in the animal, your bloodlines. And so you're not limited to your parents anymore in Christ. But until that thing is snipped off of you, it will cap you your whole life. And that's why you'd be 50 years old and you'd just be like your 80-year-old mom. And instead of your 800 trillion infinite-year-old father in heaven, ancient of days. And no time limit whatsoever. But the, the issue is, why are you still like the natural man instead of like the heavenly man? Because you never broke off the soul tie from your parents your whole life. The Bible says you received, this is huge amongst people in RLM that haven't done this. You need to deliverance from your parents. Yeah. Amen. You have received a spirit of adoption, which means a new father and mother in heaven. Amen. Abba Father is, it's now infinite growth by their fathering. But if you still have a soul tie to your natural earthly parents, you will never develop past infancy in Christ. It's not possible because what's fathering you and mother, mothering you is from below. And a lot of times it's just ignorance that caps us. It's a DNA connection. There's a spiritual cord there from the animal, just like when you're born in the flesh. There's a spiritual cord called an umbilical cord. It has to be cut. It has to be cut in the natural and you are disconnected from your natural mother. God set that up because he's the creator for your understanding to be disconnected also in the spiritual, in the soul. You can't even honor them in the river of life until you break that soul tie from your parents. Some parents are so diabolical, they don't even want their kids to break that soul tie. You see that all the time. And they begin to persecute them if they actually take the sword of the spirit against that soul tie, which would take them no longer in the limitation of the earthly family, but in the infinite possibility of the heavenly family. All of you need to apply that to your life immediately today and get saved from your parents. Being saved from original sin is being saved from your parents. It doesn't matter how good they are. It's dealing with the flesh dimension. 
It doesn't matter. You do need to honor them. You do need to love them. But you do need to be disconnected from them. Amen. Because you won't even, the Bible says, unless you honor your parents, you won't live long in the land. If there's a dishonor for parents, which means a lack of love for understanding God's salvation for the earth, you'll die prematurely because you have their, their DNA in you. Even though you're disconnected, now your spirit can grow higher, there's still a connection to them in the natural realm because they're your flesh and blood and you still have flesh and blood. But now your spirit can go up higher and pour salvation into earthen temples, jars of clay, treasures and jars of clay. That's why at first they don't understand because it looks like, oh, now you're rebelling against your family and all the good things in your family. But later on, it intensifies the goodness and there's an honor there amongst your family. Who are the apostles? Half of them were Jesus Christ siblings that came out of the same womb of Mary. Jude, James, all apostles of the first century church, his brothers, but they didn't believe in him in the first, the Bible says. Later on, as he was glorified and poured the glory into his brothers, Jude and James, they channeled it and their whole bloodline was glorified. So you understand the same process is taking place with you today. So don't judge, you go higher, get judged. As you get judged, you'll outpour more divine ability. We limit ourselves in Christ. They say, that's, that's all we're going to get. A lot of people, when they're born into lower caste systems, they say, this is your lot in life. I'm, I'm going to be poor in the lower class because my parents are. See, you change classes when you get born again. But the demons don't want your minds to really understand that. They want you to stay in the same animal class like you see in the Bible Belt of the South. And the demons have been incredibly successful to keep the Christians in the lower class even after they're born again. It takes a lot of devils to do that. Because it's supernaturally you would elevate to the mountaintops if you knew who you were in Christ, if you had confidence in Christ. Because the class system of the limitations of the lower class, like the Egyptians coming out of Egypt, or the Israelites coming out of Egypt, it broke off the lower class system. They were the slave class. They're the ones that built the pyramids. They're the ones in the in the in the brick, in the mud, under the slave masters getting whipped. And you can say, well, that's not you. Listen, compared to the billionaire class, that's still you. And you're still lower class compared to what's available, very low. And so just have a humble assessment of yourself. You got a long ways to go in Christ. Christ is called the royal king in the Bible. And it's not just spiritual, it's natural. He had a natural inheritance of everything in the earth greater than Solomon. One greater than Solomon is here. It is written. So in order to have that inheritance that belongs to Jesus, you have to disconnect and in many ways disown your parents. If you don't, you look at them, they never grow in Christ. They forfeit their calling, they forfeit their destiny. You don't get fruitfulness out of them, you get family out of them. And settling for family is a forfeit of the divine family. It's one of the be- the biggest temptations that the devil uses to destroy saints. I've already seen it destroy hundreds of people in Red Letter Ministries. They can't overcome that thing. And the temptation of family like Job, who all the temptation came from family and friends. Which means, are you going to go after the double portion, Job? 
or just be stuck in the natural realm listening to family, which is destruction. It's a lesson on how to be blessed or how to be destroyed. And a lot of you will go through the Job stuff. I've seen everyone go through Job in different measurements. And the, tempta and the temptations and the testings of Job come upon all believers, depending on how much of an inheritance they go after in Christ. And if they don't go after much, you don't get much testings. There's not much that you have to actually face in the enemy because you're not doing anything to hell. But if you go after a lot, you face a lot, like we have on the public stage for the last 16 years. You face a lot. A lot of public scrutiny, a lot of public opinion, and, and arguments, and slander, and gossip, and crazy demon-possessed people everywhere. You deal with it because you're going after the bigger promises. The bigger promises cost you a lot because that's where all the devils are. And the devils aren't just there. The souls that they use on earth are there. That's why it kicks them up to go crazy in the earth. When you go after it in the spiritual and the heavenlies, you see all their sons and daughters start to attack you in the earthly. Every single time for 16 years on public stage. And, you, and if you don't see it in your life, it's because you're not going after the higher promises. So the higher promises require repentance. You have to repent families, which means change families. And it has to be real. The kingdom family has to be the real family. It's not just theoretical. It's not like you have the natural family that's your real family, but I just have a kingdom family because I'm a Christian. No, you have to live it. You can't be a hypocrite and come into inheritance of Christ. The devils know you're playing games, that you're not a real believer. That you still all honor your own little animal families. And the kingdom family is not a more real family to you than your animal families, a flesh and blood family. You're not a real Christian yet. You're not a disciple. A real disciple has the kingdom is more real in the heavens than the natural on earth. That's the standard of being a basic disciple. And most believers now don't even have that. That's the beginning of discipleship, that my family is now in heavenly Jerusalem. Why do you think the cloud of witnesses visit some people and not others? Because some have their real families in heaven, and that's the only family they have. And they love the earthly, but the earthly is no longer their family. What did Jesus Christ say? The same exact thing. Listen to this. He said, my mother and my brothers and sisters are those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Amen. It had to be in heaven, otherwise they're not family. Yeah. Jesus said, you are not Jews and you are not the sons of Abraham because you're living out a natural earthly family life, not the heavenly sacrificial life of the mountaintop of serving the God of heaven like Abraham did. If you did that, you would love the Messiah because he's the one speaking to you, Jesus said all the time. But they didn't love the heavenly because they were fortified through religion in the earthly. That's what you need to divorce the religious spirit out of you that keeps you in the earthly counterfeits of experiencing the divine heavenly realities. We're not in types and shadows. We are in the full-blown fulfillment of grace. There's no shadows here. We live in the glory realm. It's all light. God is all light. In Him, there's no shadows at all. What does it mean? Types and shadows now on the earth, and you call it prophetic, is the false prophetic. 
That's why some of that stuff that's called prophetic, it's just the shadow of the heavenly. And it just keeps you locked into the realm of the natural. You need to go up where there's no shadows. It's a more mature prophetic path when the prophecy ceases to exist because the light's so bright. Prophecy shall end. 1 Corinthians 13, it is written. Which means use prophecy to go up to where there's no more types and shadows. If you stick around in the types and shadows of the glory, and you say, oh, it's prophetic all the time. Look at the license plate. Look at all the stuff in the realm of the natural. It's so prophetic, blah, blah, blah. I tell you what, you're not using prophecy correctly. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus of how to ascend to the place where there is no more shadows. A shadow is a reflection of light. Something of that has light shine on it is seen and blocking it and there's a shadow of it on earth which means you are in the wrong dimension you go up into the glory dimension where there's no shadows this is how we use prophecy so don't use prophecy to just stay at that realm and look at how everything in my life is prophetic that's not what it's for you need to go up higher to where prophecy ceases until the glory light is so strong that there is no more natural shadows at all and your inner man and your soul can both go into that dimension today it doesn't need to take you 40 years all it takes is your faith in the word and knowing you're invited to go higher once we get out of the seven churches of asia minor there's a door in heaven that says, come up here. That's when you come out of the prophetic. There's a place of ascending into a door above the prophetic. The glory realm, the prophetic oftentimes is just the outpouring of the glory into the natural realm of shadows. So it, it is out here. It's the sweat of your union with God. That's why signs and wonders follow. Because the real glory is what causes it of your union in that heavenly dimension. But if the eyes are still in the natural realm, as the Bible says, Hebrews seek signs and wonders, they just wanted that stuff externally in the soul realm. That's demonic. It's demonic, soulish activity, and we'll all practice it in part when we're immature. But there's a maturing in it into a greater light. That stuff will follow you until the whole earth is glorified, which will take a thousand years. It'll take another 950 years for there to be no more prophecy. There's seven days God the Father created it, and you are in the year 6022. So you got over 950 more years of shadows, but the shadows will get less and less and less. But you're not called to live in that dimension now. That's the dimension that we rule over. You're called to the glory dimension now as the children of the resurrection in this generation to increase the Shekinah light so dramatically that it comes like a flood. Like the days of Noah is the bringing of the Shekinah, not on some external gifting, but of your own spirit, Father of glory. Father of glory is fathering your spirit to be totally glorified for your spirit to be an outpouring of the Father's glory over the natural realm but right now it's just dealing with inside the natural realm of your earthen vessels because you're all in the process of being sanctified for your spirit's glorification to be the outpouring of the latter rain and the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former you are the latter house you are the house of his glory i will glorify the temple 
of my meeting place. And you are that temple now. The spirit of glory is conquering you on the inside through your thought life, through the tenderness of your heart, through your yielding to correction, mainly as disciples getting discipled by the prophets and apostles. Those that attacked the apostolic anointing of the apostles all went to hell in the first century. There's so little fear of God in American Christianity. They attacked the apostolic anointing in America and it's no big deal. That's the guaranteed way to lose your salvation. Guaranteed in the Bible, you've seen it before. So we have a people all over the place with no reverence for the fivefold. No reverence for the sacred oil on people that are totally unqualified, but grace abounds. That's who God uses. Saul's a serial killer and he's used for the Gentiles. Why? As an instrument, an object of grace, so that you know the gift came from God and not the man, because you know the reputation of the man. The man was killing Christians. Now the man is anointed as a, a Christian, a Christ one. The contrast is so startling that there can be no confusion about God and man. And that's why God uses broken people. They don't stay broken, they get healed. Sanctification is you're not broken anymore. Get that nonsense out of here. He's not going to use people to practice sin. He's going to use people that are sanctified from sin. The Bible says a saint is one who's sanctified from sin. They don't, we don't practice sin. Anyone that continues sin has never known him, First John says. So that you stop by eating and feasting on the Word, and now instead of practicing the soul's connection to the realm of the natural, which is all sinning, even good stuff that you think, it's all sin. If it's connected to the natural realm, no matter what the activity, good, bad, and ugly, it's sin. Sin is falling short of the glory. All have sinned and fallen short. So now we're not falling short. We're not falling in the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. We're now eating the feast of the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We have become the children of the resurrection by our senses and our mind and our eyes, every part of us, now looking into the author and the perfecter of our spirit, which is faith. And that dimension prioritized oftentimes when you can't even feel it. There'll be times where you won't even feel it because you can't be led by your feelings. That's true. There'll be times where it'll feel bad. There'll be times where you feel as if God has abandoned you. Why? Because there's areas of your soul you're not aware of where he doesn't even dwell and you think he's in there. And it's you just tasting what's in your soul. That's part of sanctification. Read Jian Guyan. Get the whole library. She goes through it in the glorification of the soul. So there will be places revealed to your mind that will be startling to you in the condition of your heart, in the condition of your interior castle. And it's not about just realizing how bad you are. It's not about beat yourself out. It's about a revelation of the accuracy of the soul with Christ, now the answer to fill it and flood it out of intimacy with Him on the inside. God never exposes anything without giving answers. God's not a condemner. God's a healer, but He will reveal. There's a revealing of all men's hearts by the anointing that's written in Scripture. He's going to fully reveal your heart to you and there's nothing good in the heart. The reason why is because he wants to fill those places of the heart. 
And when the heart is fully filled and flooded with God himself, now you're in constant union in your mind, will, and emotions with the glory of God. The end result of sanctification is living as a temple of glory, and I don't feel anything else except glory all the time. I don't feel anything else except glory all the time. It don't matter how bad the persecution is, how bad the demon-possessed psychos are going out out there. No matter, none of it affects the realm where you've been sanctified because that's storing up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy, which is storing, building up your spirit unto the most holy faith, praying always in the Holy Spirit. You're lifting your soul up into an incorruptible place of union by the sacrifice of carrying your cross, and that is the better portion that cannot be taken from you. Notice the stuff of Martha could be taken from her. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The works of the soul can be taken. But the greater portion, the works of the Spirit, Mary Company, can't be taken because you're storing up rewards in heaven where thieves and rust and moth cannot steal or destroy. The development of your spirit is invincibility and that's why it's so costly because the temporal stuff that's not invincible is being deteriorated by the invincible so it feels as if though many times you are dying in the process and in fact during metamorphosis of a word worm becoming a butterfly it does die the whole dna structure transforms into a different dna creature so the old thing really does die and it's not just holding it on the outside and just living on the inside of the new part of you the outside is eaten and changes in dna so just like Jesus' body was changed, we're going to get into it. Go back into the uh, Passion Translation, Philippians 3. you got to hear this now. My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experiences of knowing our Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God our soulish activity to please God. For we have already experienced heart circumcision. Spirit. You already are a regenerated spirit. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not what we can accomplish in our own strength. Spirit over soul. Amen. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. Soul. I once relied on soul. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments. More than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel. As the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin, I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and de devout life as a Pharisee. Holiness of the soul is what he's saying. And in the holiness of the soul, he says he was blameless. Buddy, now we're, now we're going after the root of the curse of the fall right there. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. The righteousness of the soul, he said no one surpassed me. This scripture now is he's not lying to you. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Notice the war of soul versus spirit here. Isn't that what you deal with every day? See how the two trees in the garden are only soul and spirit. Amen. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for 
I've now forsaken them and have regarded all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> to truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past. Letting go of everything from my soul. To truly know him, you have to completely let go of heart and mind and bones. And throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. You have to value the soul and its religiosity of doing good externally as a garbage heap in order to know Jesus. That's a prerequisite. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. And that's most of what's in your guys' souls. It's all the external holiness, the soulish. It's a, it has to become a pile of manure to you from by revelation. Otherwise, the Bible says you will never know Jesus until that dimension and that soulish realm becomes a manure pile. You cannot know Christ unless this happens to you, the Bible says, so that I may be enriched now that I count it all as a manure pile. Then he says, verse 8, so that I may now be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. See the two dimensions. You have to have a revelation of the soul as a tree of knowledge, as a manure pile, now enriched in the spirit as knowing the riches of Jesus Christ in spirit. That's the only way to be a Christian. Come on now. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and I will be one with him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of the dead. <laughs> he is teaching how to become a child of the resurrection. Amen? I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion. See, a revelation now, it gives the blueprint of the Spirit's building in your soul, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your, in your whole world. The revelation is the blueprint. Now, after the revelation requires your loyalty to the Word and obedience. Without obedience, revelation won't even profit you. You'll be worse. Having all that revelation without obedience, you'll be the worst, most wicked warlocks in the world. That's the most fallen angel like you can get. Revelation is not the end result. It's the blueprint of the building and the building that comes with the blueprint of revelation only happens when you obey the word. Obedience without sacrifice, obedience, to the revelation will build the house of God in your life. What does the Bible say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. There it is. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 
We need obedience to sacrifice. The sacrifice is obedience. Amen. Obedience is my bread. Obedience is your donuts. We need to go on an obedience fast. Obedience to the revelation you already have. We often want more food and we haven't obeyed what he's already given us. I got people listening to Joel's bar two years with zero obedience and this go wayside. Didn't work for me. You never obeyed one word in your life. You stayed a people pleaser and you actually grew in the devil because you never obeyed. We see it all the time. You gotta mix revelation with obedience. Otherwise you'll get worse. Because in hearing the word, you've denied the word. It's not going to work out well for those people. That's how you accelerate your destruction. Because you're ignorant before, so grace abounded. Jesus said, now that you see, your judgment comes swiftly. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past. I forget all the soulishness. As I fasten my heart to the future instead, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. See, I'm going up with all this stuff. He says, I'm going to take this, my new spiritual ability, and run a heavenly race into the heavens for the prize of Jesus. You know what that is? The glorification of your soul. The spirits taking over is how the soul gets totally transfigured. (laughs) Glory to glory. (laughs) So let all who are fully mature have the same passion. What's the passion? Annihilation of soul, building up a spirit. That's the passion. Have the same passion for anyone who has any maturity at all. It is written. Philippians 3.15 And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. Because they're still deceived. They need revelation, revealing. Amen. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. Anybody know what that one path is? The river! My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God. Isn't that why Paul said, told everyone, copy him? He'd be persecuted by half the charismatic church right now. We don't follow man, Paul. We follow Jesus. Exact opposite in the scripture. The apostolic is the following of God. Anyone that doesn't follow the apostolic does not follow Jesus in Christianity. They follow devils. My beloved friends, imitate my walk with God and follow all those who walk to the way of life that I modeled before you. That'll mess you up right there. For there are many who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words because the devil comes in and says we don't follow man and now you follow devils because you're not following God's anointed. You understand? That's how he picks off so many people. They're enemies of the cross. What is it to be an enemy of a cross in this context? Is to no longer follow the apostle. 
in the paragraph that's what he's talking about they became the enemies of the preachers of the cross by not following those who preach the cross they became the enemies of the cross read it for yourself philippians 3 17 through 19 and then he goes on to say doom awaits them they'll lose their salvation Paul was saying those that stopped following him would not go to heaven. Can you imagine if we said that stuff today? We need to because it's the biblical truth. <laughs> if you're not following the prophets, you're not going to heaven. That's what the Bible says. I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross of the anointed one and doom awaits them. Hell awaits them. You see, he's condemning those who stopped following him. Oh. Isn't that apostolic authority? That is the most repulsive thing to the demon-possessed, to the religious. That right there will get them weeping and gnashing their teeth. But you need to know it's in the Word. It is biblical, guys. We follow the fivefold on earth in the river. You'll know them by their fruit, which is, who do we follow? We follow the fruitful ones in the river. And if you're not, you are definitely doomed and going to hell. That's what the Bible says in now. <laughs> they are enemies of the cross, of the anointed one, and doom and gloom awaits them. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. They're, they're demon-possessed. When you stop following the apostolic, the grace of the apostle, you get demon-possessed. You've already seen it hundreds of times in RLM. When they stop following the apostolic that the angels led them to, Demons jump in their bodies. Now they're following the devil. Ze zeal for the demons. You've seen it many times. Why? Because it's written in the Word of God. Doom awaits them. Hell awaits them. Their God has possessed them and has made them mute. Which means their words are just garbage, empty air of the prince of the power of the air. Their boast is in their shameful lifestyles and their minds are in the dirt. <laughs> But we are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our humble bodies and transfigure us into the identical likeness of his glorified flesh. <laughs> Philippians 3, Passion Translation says the same thing in every other translation. You'll be transfigured into the identical likeness of his glorified flesh. If you can obey these things, and these are kind of hard teachings because they're so contrary to the charismatic church, but if you can obey these teachings, the reward of obedience to this level of apostolic teaching in Philippians 3, the reward will be the transfiguration of your bodies. That's what it says. Who will transform our humble bodies and transfigure us into the identical likeness of his glorified flesh <laughs> using his matchless power he continually subdues everything to himself the matchless power comes in the authority in the river truth in you that's why you see some of these ones that are so loyal to the authority in the rank in Joel's army in the river, they'd be in the prophetic two, three years, and it's like they're w walking around like senior prophets. <laughs> Others that break rank have no authority and no power, and they could be around five, ten years. The issue is how the power flows. 
Centurion, I am a man under authority, so I understand how power flows. You only need to say the word, my daughter be healed. At that very moment, she's healed. Because you understand the flow of the river, and the river is the flow of the Father's power. The kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father is in the river, and it flows in rank. Truthania, my dear and precious friends whom I deeply love, you have truly become my glorious joy. Philippians 4, glorious joy, my crown and reward. Now arise in the fullness of your union with our Lord. I plead with Yodia and Sintik to settle their disagreement and be restored with one mind in our Lord. I would like my dear friend and burden bearer to help resolve this issue, for both women have diligently labored for me for the prize and helped in spreading the revelation of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. All their names are written in the Book of Life. Even people in the Book of Life? Total mess. Look at that. Now, oh, well. Even people in the glory just freaking messed up fighting at each other. I love the Bible. It's so real, man. <laughs> four, four. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Our Lord is near, which means Yahweh Shama. That means the Lord is near. He's the Lord who's present. Isn't that good? Have reverence because the Lord is present right now. And then the brain tunes into that channel. Wong, all of a sudden, hit with the fear of the Lord. You can't even be hit with the drunken glory. Most of you just, it, it won't even be hit with such a conviction. It'll be hit with a, a celebration as you experience the nearness of the Lord. Amen. Some will be convicted of stubbornness and pride. Most just need to drink his love and be glorified. This is the name. Just say Yahweh Shama. The Lord is near. The Lord is our presence. The Lord is present. Amen. For our Lord is ever near. Philippians 4, 5. Yahweh Shama. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated, marinated, pickled in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Whoa. Shaka. Mmm. <laughs> Overflowing gratitude. Just let that sink in there. Tell him every detail of your life. Then, when you have overflowing gratitude and you're talking to the Holy Spirit about all the details in your life, then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, and holy, merciful, and kind. 
and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of Christ. Notice that you're only to think about the works of the glory. Without the glory, it's not even a work of Christ. Fix and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you. And the God of peace will be with you in all things. My heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me by your financial support of my ministry. Philippians 4.10 Keep your hearts open now if we talk about money. Don't lose this area to the devil. My heart overflows with joy when I think of how you showed your love to me how is showing love to the apostolic? Financial support of my ministry. Amen. Written exactly that way in the Bible. <laughs> you cannot say you love Jesus without financially supporting the apostles. For even though you have so little, you still continue to help me at every opportunity. I'm not telling you this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be satisfied in every circumstance. I know that what it means to lack, I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance, for I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. You've so graciously provided for my essential needs during this season of difficulty. For I want you to know that the Philippian church was the only church that supported me in the beginning as I went out to preach the gospel. I believe that's why it's the happiest church in the Bible. It's because of their financial generosity to the apostolic anointing. You are the only church that sowed into me financially. Philippians 4.15 And when I was in Thessalonica, you supported me for well over a year. I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. I now have all I need, more than enough. I'm abundantly satisfied, for I've received the gift you sent by Aphrodite and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, perfumed with the fragrance of your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. The perfume and the pleasing sacrifice Philippians 4.18 was money to the apostle. Amen. Oh. Undeniably biblical. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you'll destroy the principality of poverty in all Christians in the world. Truth in you. Yeah. I am convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have, for I have seen the abundant riches of glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. And God our Father will receive all the glory and the honor throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. Give my warm greetings to all the believers in the anointed one, Jesus. All the brothers and sisters in Christ that are here with me send their loving greetings, especially the converts from Caesar's household. May every one of you overflow with grace and favor of our Lord Jesus Christ, love in Christ, 
Paul. <laughs> Amen. And I want to take up an offering tonight for the water trucks in Nairobi. Water trucks. This is an additional thing that Shadrach said that there's a lot of glory on this. That bringing in fresh, clean water, these people don't even have running water where we're going on Saturday. He wants to bring in three gigantic purified water trucks. We have governmental officials. We have one of the governors of the region uh, joining us. And we have three police officers joining us in the outreach and the mission. So it might get national notoriety. Might be on the... No, uh, no, how do you say it? Nairobi? Nairobi? Might be on Nairobi television. Nairobi. <laughs> Glory. That's the anointing. Nairobi. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yeah, that's where we are over there. The water trucks will be in Nairobi. It might be on Nairobi television. And so let's blow it up. Um, so if you want to give the links in the description, $150 per water truck. Wow. So each 150 that comes in, we'll get a water truck. Let's do it. And if you want to give 15,000, we might just buy a water truck. Yeah. We already have the tank. We need the Azuzu to match it, and it's $15,000 exp expense. As much as you want to support this ministry, we'll build the apostolic. And there's no cap. There's no limit until the whole earth is built and ruled by the apostles which is the kingdom age that's where we're going in this amen so father give each one a vision of how they can build the kingdom with financial support into red letter ministries speak to each heart empower their angels to speak clearly into their minds to giving by revelation and let it be accounted to their their accounts, their bank accounts as righteousness, and let there be a blessing of favor upon them financially as they give and sow into true apostolic ministry in this generation. Let signs and wonders follow the offerings. Let it come upon their minds, let breakthrough in their businesses increase all around as they build the eternal messianic kingdom of Jesus Christ by their faithful financial support into Red Letter Ministries. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bless you guys. Going to be an awesome week in the glory. Greatest glory of all time. Super excited about this week. It's going to be great. We'll see you all week long. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.